What's up guys, welcome back to the Imperfect Swing Golf Podcast. Today we're trying something a little different. We have a, a returning guest, uh, Rourke van der Spey. We actually, uh, we've been a bit brave this morning to say the least. Uh, to say the least, that's an <laughs> understatement. <but yeah. laughs> um, coldest, coldest day so far in Johannesburg this winter. Um, Rourke, thanks for, for joining us. We're starting a series called Range Rats, so we're joining uh, golfers on the range kind of picking their brains. We've got the trackman running so you can see some of Rourke's distances as well. But Rourke, uh, thanks for coming. It's good to say that uh, you're returning as a, a winner on the Sunshine Tour. Yeah, always nice, especially recent winner, so it's fresh in the mind. But yeah, thank you for having me on the installment. Looking forward to this Range Rats idea and uh, yeah, and for getting me out of bed this morning as well. So <laughs> yeah, it was, a bit, it was it. a bit challenging to Yeah, <laughs> It was more like the five minutes, five minutes turn into oh, no, 10 minutes from now, 10 minutes. <laughs> but we made it though, we made we it. Made it. Um, quite a coincidence that we did our first podcast at the SA Open at Sun City. And I didn't. it didn't really click until we, we chatted the other day that you got your win at Sun City. I actually, it didn't really click for me. So um, nice for you to get the win and especially on a track. I mean, you, you've said that you like and you guys get to play it so often now, but you have said that you like that, that track. Yeah, Sun City, it's been it's been sticking with me for a few years now, yeah. I guess. And we play there so many times a year. So it's become a course where, you know, either you figure it out or you don't. And I've been fortunate enough to have some really good vibes out there. Um, it's funny you mentioned that as well. Right after my win, my dad sent me our previous podcast yeah. and he was like, listen to this, have a think about what you said and where you're at now. And so much of it kind of was relatable and turned over into that win. And the mind frame from that week, what, six, seven months ago yeah. almost to uh, kind of last week when I won, it was, you know, so many things were relatable. So it was, uh, yeah, nice to reflect on that. What, what would you say for you, I mean, Golfers are we so meticulous and we work on our game continuously. What have you been working on? Um, you know, as you start hitting some balls, I mean, what what has changed really from that six months ago that we, when we last chatted? Yeah, I think six months ago the work that I'd done with Sean Kutsia, um for about a year before that was kind of starting to peak. Yeah. Um, so it's always nice to kind of when you're working on your swing to start testing it in tournaments and kind of around that SA Open was was a bit of a breakthrough for me. I finished top 20 that week yeah. after a pretty dismal start. I think I had 75 on the first day. I was going to say, you kind of, I think you went almost 10 under in the last two in rounds In the last or three like, rounds yeah. or something. So then I think I backed it up with a bogey free round on, on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So like to have that momentum switch and actually put the hard work into a result, obviously the results are what we kind of cling on to. It's all kind of fairyland world when yeah. you're doing the work if you're not getting the results. So from that first result, it kind of, yeah, I was able to put together a few cuts. I think I'm on about 11 in a row now as well. So okay. building that cut streak also shows that your game is Because you went, you went through a stretch where you were missing by one, missing by two. Exactly, like, yeah. And missing nine, ten cuts in a row at that point as well. So it kind of once that flipped, then you kind of start seeing the, the confidence start building once the results start coming, I guess. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> it's so funny. I think it was Sunbet last year when Alex Heindl won. Yeah, also think, Sun City, right? Yeah, Sun yeah, City. Yeah. And then I think you, I think you made the cut there, yeah. but it was like your first cut in a while. It was, yeah, it was the breakthrough basically. Yeah. I think it was the first week I had Jacob on my bag as exactly. well. So it was kind of like the start for us was, you know, literally from Sun City, doing a full 360 <laughs> and then ending, ending up back there. So no, no, yeah, it's, it's a good place for me. It's, you've got what sandwich? I've got a sandwich. Up. Yeah, let's keep the, the bones warm, eh?
pretty good. How how important is um, I suppose the the wedge aspect? I mean, we've kind of seen it now recently with you have like your Leningrad who destroyed on the DP World Tour last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Very impressively. I think it's it's understated the the driving aspect. Everyone hits it fairly long these days, I would say, mm-hmm. especially in the men's game. Mm-hmm. Like you hit it average but it's long you know it's long I mean? enough yeah for me that you're getting wedges in like how much work do you spend or how much time do you spend working on wedges and, and kind of finessing and having your go-to distances knowing oh, i hit it this far this far this far when i swing it that length kind yeah of very relatable i think within the first month of when i started with sean again i mean he's been working with a clock system with his players for for a while yeah so within the first month we were dialing in those distances once i'd kind of figured out where the swing path and plane was going to be um, and just like you say i mean it's for me i work on a position i've got four positions i guess you've got your full position at the top yeah then i work one down to a shoulder position for me which is almost a three-quarter then I work into a rib position, which will be between my hips and my mm. shoulders. So I've got a rib position and then lastly, a little hip position, which yeah. is almost like a there pause. And yeah, the results have been great with that. You so. still keep. So it's a funny thing. I think players well, amateurs in general, we'll almost feel like if we have a fin- like a finicky distance, we'll swing it slower. Yes. For you, when you're doing the clock method, you still accelerate the same. Hundred percent. Right. It's a full finish. It's a full acceleration from every single position. Okay. So, and that's that's the key with that is by keeping the speed consistent and full. That's how you replicate. That you can actually replicate. So instead of then, if I want to take distance off, then I'll move from you know top of the grip to one two uh, inches down. That also takes off between three and ten yards sometimes, and also opening and closing the face. So, and that comes feel. But exactly. I mean, you got to know. You, it's something you build and you know. 100%. So, I mean, I've got my distances that I keep with me in my notebook as well. So, like, for me, the, the hip position with my lob wedge goes around 60 to 62 yards on average. But if I open the face, then I know I can hit it 55 as an example. Or grip down. If I don't want it to be softer, I can yeah. grip down and hit the 55 shot with the same position. So, that's kind of where, again, front flag, back flag is. If it's a 62 pitch or a 60 pitch, where yeah, do you yeah. want the ball to react after that as well? Exactly. But yeah, speed is key though. Got to keep so the speed up. You've got sandwich there. I do. Let's go full sandwich. Let's see. Full sandwich. It's a little flary and weak. It's fair to say we're working with a off the left wind yeah you've got me on a on a good day to work <laughs> on my fade it's been 18 months of working on the fade and what, what how far would you say that went Let's that see. is it calibrated for for the balls and stuff like that how we what are we yeah, working so we, we're working on let's just check here limited distance softball so if i had to guess probably somewhere between maybe 80 and 90 yards or meters i guess on this side 90 95 meters 95 meters okay so that actually no that that was optimized 80 82 meters 82 95 okay so optimized would have been 90 95 is that that if i was playing my my normal ball and stuff so this club normally goes between 105 and 110 for me on a nice warm hot day which is why i figured that came off about 10 20 shorter okay it's another full one a little bit higher launch probably went pretty similar maybe a touch further than the last one a slightly better contact 
87. Compared to 82? Yeah. There we go. Playing Sun City for you, what was, I mean, you obviously have good vibes there. If I'm not mistaken, did they play it NGC way around? Finish on par four? Back to the original layout, yeah. How was that? Because you guys were so used to finishing on par five. Yeah, yeah. Was that a bit of a, so for me personally, I, I like the, the, the finish on the par five, uh -huh. but I almost feel like the, the, I mean, eight is a beast. Eight is an absolute beast. So I almost feel like the, the nervier finish is on that side. Yeah, I mean, I think flip a coin almost. I think yeah. they, they both have their, I mean, like if you had to compare seven as the par three to 16, yeah. pretty similar holes depending yeah. on the wind. To me, I find seven a tougher hole than 16. Yes. I think it's just exactly for a fader of the ball, that kind of, you got the, the tree way on that, the left there. The way the green sits. The way the green sits. It doesn't really make it like, you don't see the green, right? Like exactly. you're kind of just seeing a bit of it. Exactly. And then versus like, um, 16 you yeah, can see everything like exactly. you're literally seeing your landing spot it's you're seeing the, like the whole green sits you like can that see you can play middle green and be so safe so that's why I'm, i always feel like seven eight nine like it's 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 a tricky finish a lot more can happen yeah and yeah. then 17 as well it's a brilliant hole 17 it's a hole that if you're two good shots you can make a birdie exactly um but, but again, i always feel like over time eight, over time it's kind of become i don't want to say and sound disrespectful but I mean, guys, you're hitting wedges in there. Like, exactly. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. And you've got a bit of space on the right. You can fly you're those bunkers You're flying the bunkers now. The guys, like, so you're right. I mean, back in the day watching NGC, like, that looked yeah, like a beast. It was, yeah. And they've got that tee box on the left that they don't use as often exactly. as they could have. But again, I think even from that angle, you can still you fly still bunkers will. from most of the time. Yeah. So if you had to compare 8 to 17, again, I think 8 takes the cake there for a, for a pressure tougher, shot. Tougher, yeah. And I mean, there you can make a number. Exactly, exactly. You, you, you feel like that hole can never end sometimes. Because even if you get your drive away, you've still got that uphill got approach uphill, to a blind I mean, green. It's a, it's a proper hole that, yeah. What, what would you say was the turning point for you there? On that course, yeah. um, I had a moment on 14, the par five. I was kind of in cruise mode up until 14. Um, then we had a bit of a wait on the tee box and I hit my worst drive of the week there. I actually just blew it right. High, big push fade almost. Lucky it caught the thing corner. To see around that exactly, course, eh? exactly. So it's like one that come, kind of comes out and you're like, ooh, that hasn't been out here all week. Yeah. Now I've still got to hit the tee shot on 15. That was immediately my thought. So I made a good six on 14, kind of settled the ship a bit. Um, and then really knuckled down on that tee shot on 15. Also a hole that doesn't suit me with my fade. Yeah. And I probably had one of my best drives of the week there, just straight over that bunker, down the middle, and that kind of settled the nerves again. So that when, was a big moment for me. You know, it's always fair, it's, it's like a, a funny thing to say. Uh, yeah. Um, short memory, like goldfish, goldfish vibes, like golfers need to have the memory of a goldfish. When you hit a, a bad shot, you, you kind of, it's tough to put it out of your mind, like in all honesty. Yeah. How do you, how do you, cur you know, course correct? Like, yeah. you hit a, a flare out right shot. Well, what's the next, what did you do to make sure you didn't hit that shot again? Because yeah. it's all fair to say like, no, stick to your process, but yeah, yeah. you do something intentionally to not do it again. Yeah, right? I think it starts with your self-talk basically. I've been yeah. working on that quite a lot as well. So. Um, again, Jacob in that moment is also instrumental to me because when I hit that shot in practice rounds or in tournaments or whatever, mostly the feel is that I lose my, my, my transition basically. I okay. just get a little bit too quick, everything yeah. opens up and open then everything's late and open. 
So he was immediate to say, listen, next hole, but focus on your transition. Like okay. we have been, that's been our trigger word all week. Um, and then also reminding yourself, you know, at that point I was what, about six or seven under maybe for the tournament. Um, still with a two shot lead roughly or something like that. So to tell yourself, listen, you, you're leading this tournament, you're still playing good yeah, golf. Yeah, it's not you're like allowed to have one bad swing. So yeah, the self-talk is, is big in that moment. You kind of got to convince yourself like you're here because you know what you're doing. Yeah. Let's go back and trust it again. Transition was a big thing for me on the next tee shot. Um, so yeah, stuff that I'd been working on for a, for a long, long time that gave me that comfortable ability to, to trust it again. So yeah, I'll, self-talk I'll, was massive. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the role that you know, Jake's plays. For, you know, it's a funny thing, like a lot of amateur golfers will yeah. come into the game, um, turn pro at a young age, and you've built these relationships with um, your friends and yeah. family members, and it's so easy to get them on the bag. Yeah. And, and in some cases, in all honesty, some players prefer to keep that money within the family, like within your circle. Yeah. And that's fine, but how so. how important is it? F- you know, you've seen the, the 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 fruits of having. You know, Jake's has been around the block. Like he's he's. I mean, he's won on the DP World Tour. Yeah. He's he's carried for some proper players. Yeah. How important is that aspect? Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 ultimately it's a trust factor. I mean, he trusts me with with his whole heart, and I mean, for me to to say that about him is is kind of where it's at. I, yeah. I trust him as well. He, He's been there from the start. He's seen me build my game from the when struggles. I was struggling to kind of when I kind of figured it all out again and, and started my new process. It's so process. funny. You, whenever I see him, he's like, he's close. Yeah. And I'm like, because I know you. I know you close. Like, I've, yeah. we know each other for a long time now. Yeah. He's like, he's so close. And I'm like, the fact that he's saying that, it's like he's, he has full, like you mentioned, full trust. Full right? trust. Exactly so. And I mean, and Jake's is a player himself, you know, he plays off a single figure. He's been a scratch and an ex-pro himself. So, I mean, the fact that he knows the game beyond just beyond just from a surface level, you know, when he knows that coming down 17, it's a big moment in that tournament, what yeah. to say, how to say it. So, I mean, that whole side to it, it's, it's a full on relationship. Eh? And I like what you said as well, like we were close and He's been saying that kind of terminology for a long, long time. Long time. Even when I felt like I wasn't close, yeah. it was almost like, you know, we are close. We, we can win. We can do this. And surrounding yourself with people in your team, not just Jacob, who's, who wants to win. Yeah. My trainer, my personal trainer is the same thing. What are we, what's the ultimate goal? We're going to win. We're going to win trophies. When I go to Sean Kutsia and the, and the Institute and all the guys that are practicing there, same thing. Everyone's competing for trophies, you know, exactly. so it's kind of like a... Your, your mind is always about that next win, that next trophy. So it's, it's a nice mindset for me to start getting back into again. And that's where you can actually build that self-belief. So yeah, we got a nice little challenge actually with our institute with Sean. Okay. Um, the WhatsApp profile picture <laughs> is, whoever wins. is the most recent winner. And we've got amateurs in our institute, Big Easy Pros, Sunshine Tour Pros, okay. but whether you win club champs or a DP Counts. World Tour event, trophy is a trophy. trophy. Is a trophy. Yeah, so okay. I mean, to, to get your face on that WhatsApp you gotta, picture, you gotta graft. that honestly was enough motivation in a way. Yeah, okay. so it makes a big difference. Big, it's, big difference. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, the the fact that you haven't felt close at times and Jake's will feel like you guys are close. Yeah. When um, I ran into you guys at uh, Stella Player Championship um, at Danefern. Yeah. Jake's was telling me uh, uh, something he, he told you. He was like, you know, I told Drake, if we just get, you know, it's simple to say, but he's like, if we just shoot four under every round, like yeah. we we in it. You, yeah. You're either going to be top five. 
Yeah. Or you're going to win. Yeah. Um, and that's where it's kind of capitalizing on par five, right? Like that, that's almost where, I know it's so easy to say again, but that's your, your bread and butter in around, like it's almost give me birdies in, in some cases, depending on a course, right? Like yeah. how it plays, but that's what you're looking at. So Jake's is saying like, if we can shoot and birdie the four par fives, or if it's a par 71, the three par fives, whatever it is. Yeah. But the idea is like to, to have that as your go-to birdies and then you just hit green and reg on the rest. Like, and the rest of bonuses basically. How, how has that approach as well like been um, beneficial in, in, in a stress-free kind of way as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously every course is different, so you do have to pay respect to, to certain yeah. courses and certain par fives, that's hands down. But if you just look at your general stats, your strokes gained, I mean, at, at the pro level, we are going to make most of our shots up on the par five. So it's, it's imperative that you take advantage of them, especially yeah. that if you want to contend for these tournaments. Um, Mark Immelman, my coach from college, always used to say to us when we were at college events, boys, threes on threes, fours on fives, you're going to be in, in with a chance this week. And that mentality has kind of carried over in, into the pro ranks as well. Um, par threes normally play tougher for us on tour, especially when they start getting up to 200 meters 200. plus. So, yeah, that, that thought process of threes on threes, fours on fives, and then the par fours become the bonus holes in a way. Well, yeah, it's almost like, and you, can you know, go from there. funny enough, like uh, carrying a bag for, you know, Kaz and, and Lauren uh, on the LET. Yeah, yeah. You realize how, how simple the game can be but how complicated us as golfers make it sometimes yes yes like it's, immensely so yeah <laughs> and, so. and it's easy to say we we so we, we overthink things and you know it's golf is an easy game but it is a simple game it's just how you interpret it and how you yeah. make it out to be yeah so sometimes like a green and rig even though it's middle green it's still a green and rig right like uh -huh. it's a birdie chance uh -huh. But we almost get too carried away on target, target, target. Like, yeah. And I think that's why, like, a Rory McIlroy, we watch him and we're like, this oak is flawless. Yeah. But when you break his round down and you go in detail, he's hitting, sometimes he's hitting a wedge to like 30 foot. And yeah. that technically is not great, yeah. but he's, he's still putting birdie. Yeah. Whereas you try to hit it to five foot and you're going over the green and now you, you're battling for, for a par. Yeah. Where Rory's just two putting for, for par. Yeah. You know? So it's like, how, how have you managed expectations of not playing perfect golf all the time? Yeah, massively so, massively so. I think, again, that comes down to a trust factor, though. I think for me, I wrote one of my goals down last year, and that was to be as prepared on the first tee as I felt like I could possibly be. Yeah. And I felt for a few years, I would walk on the first tee and I was searching. And that's mm. not a nice place to be in because you're like, Either I haven't done the work or I don't understand my swing enough to kind of really compete in this. And then you two steps behind the field already. So being able to, you know, step on the first tee and go, I'm as prepared as I can be and I'm ready for whatever challenges are going to be thrown at me. That helps with the expectations in a way, because like you say, I mean, if I bring back that shot on the tee shot on 14, um, I'm allowed to have a bad swing every exactly. now and then. But I am still as prepared as I could have been for that moment. Um, so it helps to deal with the and you're not a robot. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You're not a robot. Um, and then also, if you want to compete on this tour, you've got to get your birdie count up. And that was yeah. another goal of mine. I was averaging under three birdies around for most of that 2020 season almost. And 
it's just not enough insurance in the bank to know like I can have one or two, one bad or two bogeys. Yeah. You bring your birdie count up, then you know, okay, well, if I make a bogey here, I've still got two or three birdies out there for the round on average, let alone if I have a good day. So it's like that expectation tying in with your self-belief is, is kind of where you get that perfect uh, harmony between the two. You did put a new putter in the bag before this like yes. big stretch of events. Yes, how, yes. My how, legs how did girlfriend, that, basically. How did that kind of, in a way, boost your confidence? Because I remember it was like everything switched. Like you, you went from saying, uh, putting a ride to I can't miss. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that moment was almost love at first sight, I think. And yeah. I picked it up at, at uh, Pekinwood this last year, or last season, I should say. It was just immediately a club that I, I hadn't had a putter in a while that I didn't want to dent or scratch or drop on the floor <laughs> or have someone else touch, you know, like it, it felt like, you know, gold. this is it personal to me now. Yeah. And from that first second, having that relationship with the putter was yeah, instrumental in, in, in making some changes on the results side, for sure. What, for sure. what would you say, you know, putting, putting is the where you, make, you know, they always say drive for show, putt for dough. How important is it to build that trust with that club specifically because i feel like we overlook it and we overstated that oh drive for show putt for dough but how much of it is actually just trusting your stroke with that putter it it's it's the most important club in the bag i mean hands down i mean there's not many people that are going to hit any other club in their bag more than more they than hit that. their putter in any round of golf you know like so you really do have to show attention to that putter um I was lucky enough as well to do some putter fitting just after I picked it up to kind of get it fine-tuned okay. exactly for what, my What, in, you know, what changes style. did you make? Uh, we, we tweaked with the, the loft and lie fractionally, okay. but then we also just made sure that the length was, was perfect for me because I was doubting that at first. But once we did the whole putter fitting, kind of just that having that reassurance like, no, this is actually set up perfectly for you now. Um, and with that confidence, then everything else can come through then you can trust your stroke, trust your, your stuff that you're working on. But yeah, getting a putter fitting was also, you know, I don't a, think a many point. players actually do that, to be honest. Yeah, especially at the amateur level. I mean, yeah. even at the pro level, you're quite right. I mean, it's- You're it's, almost like you find something that looks nice and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. we'll make it work. And then, I mean, you have a average day of putting and you barely think about, I know it's easy to blame something, but you don't want to, you don't think I should go for a fitting. Yeah. Like, that's the last thing on your mind. You almost think, oh, I've got to go on a, on a Vizio pad or a, a mat exactly. and, and kind of start looking exactly. for something. So like maybe it's just the thing's not really fitted for you. Yeah. So if something's not, not set up for you, you're going to have those misses that might just confuse you a little yeah, bit. Exactly. And you're like, that felt like a good stroke, but something in the putt is not working. Yeah. Whereas if you have that complete trust in your game and you feel as prepared as you can be with your club, you know, okay, the club is doing everything as planned. Now I can actually focus on, it must be technique or alignment or whatever else it might be as well. So it all ties in together at the end of the day. And we talk about your, your patch where you weren't, let's call it in form, right? Yeah. Where, I mean, it, the, game get, the game gets dark when, when you're struggling, yeah. when you're missing cuts, yeah. when, you, when you're searching on the first tee, like you mentioned. Yep. What, <laughs> what was the change? I mean, I know you, you've changed, um, coaches you've you've obviously got jakes in the bag at that point but in that dark period how dark is it really mentally especially yeah because i mean, I, mean <laughs> we, I, I remember chatting to esther at a point and it was like he's he's searching like he doesn't know where he's at really yeah 
Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's a game of ups and downs as well. I mean, golf is it's not just a marathon within the round and within the tournament and within the season. It's a, it's a marathon for the whole career. Your body changes, you become a different person mentally, you see the world differently, your relationships change. Um, so you're constantly having to, you know, manage those expectations yeah. outside of golf and align them with your golf. And when you're in that muddle and that, you know, that dark place like you talk about it is, it's, it's rough because, you know, at the end of the day, you've got families and lives to support. And if what you're doing on the range and on the course isn't, you know, materializing into things, something, then you start thinking, you know, outside of golf and what's yeah. next and is golf for me? So, I mean, yeah, you kind of go through those patches and I'm sure even some of the best golfers in the world deal with that. Um, so yeah, to really bring myself out of that dark patch, I literally had to just scrap all the notebooks and literally put a blank piece of paper together again and build off of the good things that I had had in the past, but literally start from step one, build my processes again and, and kind of rebuild the entire program. And that's what I did basically. And it's funny you say that. I mean, you've won on, on the Sunshine Tour. So you, you, you are a certified winner, right? Like you have the trophies to back it up. Yeah. But it's it's just evident to say that no matter who you are, like it's there, right? Like it can happen. Yeah. So, go, so going back and, and, you know, scratching everything, how different did you feel as a golfer? Did you feel like you evolved beyond... Like your pre, if you look back at what you were when you won, was it in Zam Zambia? Zambia. And winning now, what changed as Rock? Like, what would you say you still more or less the same, or did you feel like you found a different side of you going through that dark, the darkness? Yeah, I think I don't think you. If you compare the, the two wins, like the moment in Zambia and the moment in Sun City, yeah. very, very similar. Okay. Same euphoric highs, same rock, the same person that was there. I think what happens is that during the dark patches, you actually lose who you were during that oh, patches. Yes, yes. So I don't know if you necessarily become a completely different yeah, yeah. person. It's just a matter of, you know, in those dips, you just, the self-doubt, the, the, the non-belief comes in, the, you know, the unpreparedness, all those things kind of start culminating. And that's where those those dark patches come. But I mean, I, I remember coming down the stretch at Sun City now and really actually, you know, thinking and trying to feel the same emotions that I felt in Zambia mm. when I was battling it out against Harding. And yeah, very similar things occurred. I made a good three on 17 as well to kind of give me that buffer. Same thing happened in Encarna when I yeah. won there. I had the Eagle on 17, which kind of gave me that little buffer. So like being able to tap into those good memories are still important. Um, but yeah, as a person, as a golfer, sure, the golf game might have changed a bit, but Rourke is still on a journey where I'm still myself throughout the process, and, I and guess. And you're kind so of just adding, you're adding to Rourke as you... Exactly, exactly. So yeah, the, the, the good moments are comparable, the dark moments are what happens in between. Basically. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's just like you, it adds to your arsenal, like you know what it's like. Yeah, exactly. So you're trying to find yourself again through those dark moments. And then when you do find yourself, then the light can shine. And, and you know, like you say, for me, it's Rourke can come through and, and play 100%. my best golf, basically. It's funny, golf is in a funny space right now. You know, we, we've seen the, the noise that something like- I've hardly heard what's, what's, what's going <laughs> what, on. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> we've seen, you know, Live Golf come into to, to play, good old Greg Norman. Mm -hmm. um, what's your, as a, as a sunshine, well, as a, as a professional golfer, what's your initial reception to the first event? 
Yeah, for someone like me, I guess, who's not particularly on the PGA Tour, which is, you know, the, the main, they the main take tour right now, I think it's quite an exciting time for us. Um, obviously, a lot of South Africans were represented in, in, the, in the first Live tournament. For me, conceptually, I love the idea. I love the viewership. I love the attraction for the fans. I think it's, like I've said to many people, it seems like the T20 version of golf from an entertainment factor. And if they can get that right, I think there's a huge market for it. Um, obviously, from the player standpoint, the money is the big grabbing pool. It's almost too. It almost feels like it's too much. Exactly. I think they've been slightly overvalued, yeah. but you know, to take their position and enter the market, you gotta, they, you gotta, they had to do something drastic. So, it's a. Yeah. It's a bit funny how the PGA Tour was moving to this money craze. Everything was increasing. Yes, it's cold. Everything <laughs> is increasing. I mean, they introduced that PIP. Yeah. Uh, for like basically tweeting and Instagramming for golfers. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit ironic that they get outed by someone who can put more money on the table. Exactly, exactly. I think if you really had to open up this can of worms, you could go down a very long rabbit hole yeah. of who does this and does what and where, the you know, how much from. money is too much, how much isn't enough. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely going to be an exciting time for golf and see what the future holds. But in a perfect world, I would love to see all the tours running congruently together and having a place for live tournaments, still having your PGA Tour and your majors and all of that as well. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting over the next few years to see what can and potentially could happen from, from that sort of different sides. And I think that, you know, it's the, the funny thing is how there's a bit of controversy. Obviously, the money's coming where Mm -hmm. The money here is coming directly, if I'm not mistaken, from the Saudi government. From their fund, yeah. From their fund funding system. or um, I think that's maybe where people are seeing the fact that, oh, this, this is like directly tied to what they do as an organization, as a government and yes. the stuff that they're involved in. But it doesn't help from the PGA perspective that they've sanctioned events there before. Exactly. So exactly. it's almost like they've shot themselves in the foot a little bit from like now they're coming from a hypocritical point of view now. Yeah, you just it's want not, consistency. Not, That's yeah. all you want. Exactly. Do you think it would be better received if players were just like, listen, I'm just in it for the money? You think that's where people are like the, the whole thing of like it's growing the game. It's getting like it's almost a little staged in a way like just say that the money's good and I'm playing for the money Sure, I, th I think I think they they probably all agree with that to some extent because I mean you can't deny the fact that the money's there But if you had asked that question ten years ago about the players on the PGA tour They also you can run the, the exact same, you know Agenda or, or plan or whatever you want to call it. So everyone is ultimately in it for the money and that's why the PGA tour has had the best golfers playing on their tour for for decades and decades now it's because the money is better than Europe. the money tour. attracts the players and the better players come and you get more world ranking points so um i think the big question really is coming down to the world ranking points if the live tour can can start getting official ranking points then it might be a completely different ball game because yeah. then the guys can sure the, the money's attractive but you know if you can back that up with world ranking points and get into the majors on a on another level or another platform then then there's not much that's going to be stopping the guys so yeah it's a there's a whole lot of uh, lot of motion in the ocean that's going on which is yeah a can of worms yeah a can of worms if you must so but i'm excited though i really am i think it's uh, something that golf might have needed for a long time if anything it could influence other tours to start putting in a bit more money 
in general on their tours. Exactly, exactly. And mixing up the formats a bit. I mean, I think golf traditionally is, is always going to be golf. 72 old stroke play, pick up and start on Thursday, finish up on the Sunday. But in between those weeks and from an entertainment pack, pack, package type thing for, for viewers, Mixing up with, uh, with the format is going to be also exciting. The team element is exciting. I mean, the, the um, mixed gender, the... The mixed gender games that have been happening. I mean, we've got, we've really had world match play events and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, there's so many different ways to play golf that amateurs and your club professional, your club members all play at different weeks. You know, Stableford, you've got team events, you've got scramble drives. So, I mean... I think the Live Tour with their model can really throw a, a shake in the works and, and make golf exciting if they wanted it to as well. Closing off, um, I don't know if you saw the snippet I had on Instagram with Lynn. She says that you you got to tell, you've got to be able to tell yourself what you want to accomplish and believe in it fully. So when I ask you, Rourke, and you can be honest with me, I hope you are going to be honest with me. I would love to be honest with you. If I ask you now, do you think you'll win a major in your career? What's your answer? Do I think I will win a major in my career? <laughs> That's a really good question because it's a different question to do I want to or do I believe that yeah. I can? Um, yeah, yeah. When I say think, I mean do you believe? Like, Do I believe? I believe I have the game to win a major. I think the first step is obviously getting world ranking points into a position where I could actually really truly believe that so as a long 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 term goal i have to say yes absolutely believe that i that i can win a major it's almost like you just got to get there but where i am right now i'm still at you know the second rung of the of a 12 rung ladder basically and that's just coming through sunshine to a side so yeah ultimately majors are what drives us i don't think i'd be playing professional golf in south africa if i didn't believe that i could you know compete in majors one day um but yeah the focus right now is short term do go through the rungs of the, the rungs of the ladder, um, and then that should all take care of itself once you get those opportunities. So, yeah, long term, absolutely. Very I don't think I'm running out of years yet. So. <laughs> no, 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 I think you're still on the good side. Still of the, feel young enough. Good yeah. side of the clock. Absolutely. Don't you worry. Yeah. With that being said, Rock, thanks for for coming on again. A little different, a little colder. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think. Uh, it's it's been good to see you finally get back to where it's almost like you've climbed the ladder again and you've, exactly. you've basically earned earned it you know yeah, it's a bit, yeah. it feels a bit more earned yeah. than, than previously and i think also in the the season that 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 it's been already where there's so many first time winners yeah like for you to get it done yeah so many young guns coming yeah I coming for the wins even like, last week they backed it up again exactly. with Dylan winning yeah so I suppose for you it also just feels good. So thanks for, for, for making time as always. It's oh, always good chatting. Absolute pleasure, yeah. I'm looking forward to it and certainly I some, suppose some more we, shots we'll have as to well. do another one when you get your next win. So yeah. pretty soon I guess. Put me down for about August then I think. <laughs> <laughs> August and then again in, in December. Yeah, hopefully we'll be here many, many times. <laughs>